This is Mark Evans from Heaven's Edge, and I'm going to get it right this time. You are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Keep rocking, people. One, two, three, four. The Brutally Delicious Podcast. The Brutally Delicious Podcast. The Brutally Delicious Podcast. That's okay. So, let's let's start over here. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I guess we can jump right in and let's talk about. You guys played Monsters of Rock, correct? Uh, Monsters of Rock Cruise, not this past year. We are playing it next year. Okay. What We've was done that? It a few times in the past. You have. What's that experience been like? <laughs> um, uh, just picture. Pretty much every band that you used to like back in like 1988, 89. Right. And most of them are there. And you just wander around a ship and turn turn a corner and, you know, Night Ranger's playing a, a, an acoustic set somewhere and upstairs by the pool and Extreme is out on the pool stage. And, you know, you go into one of the little clubs or bars that are there and you've got... Sort of like know, a time warp? Oh, yeah. And it's just... The first time that we did it, I remember, I can't remember what year it was, probably like 2014 or 15. And uh, my wife and I are trying to figure out, okay, what do we bring? We've never been on a cruise before. We're right. bringing what we think is like all cruise wear. And you get on there and just go, oh, shit, I only needed a jeans and a T-shirt. Right. So I've never done the Monsters of Rock one. I've been doing the 70,000 tons of metal for, I don't know. 10 years since its inception, however long it is now, 10 or 11 years. A little bit heavier, but... I've been part of that forever. And it's the same sort of thing. I remember going on the first one and you had no idea what to expect and yeah. bringing yeah, dress clothes and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> 25 years in between records, what was the, uh, the impetus to get it back going again? Well, um, I mean, it's, it's strange because it's 25 years between records, but the second record that came out some other place, some other time, we weren't even a band when that came out. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I mean, we we had split up. I left the band, I guess, in 92, maybe. So I just, I, I got to the point I knew it wasn't going to work. And right. uh, you know, I needed to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, so that album came out then, but we, like I said, we weren't even a band. And back, I guess, it was in 2012, a promoter from Ireland named Kieran Dargan had contacted me about having Heaven's Edge get back together again and play at Firefest in Nottingham, England mm -hmm. the following year. Told him the same thing. I said, we're not a band. I don't know what you want me to do. Right. Said, Please, like, just, you know, just talk to the guys. Talk to the guys. So I talked to the guys. We got together and rehearsed because we hadn't played a set in 20 years or more. We've done a couple of like benefits pretty much right. it, in all those years since we split up. We got together and the chemistry was there. It was fun. And so we decided to do Firefest. And we were like, oh, for rehearsing, we're playing. We should do a show locally. So we came back home a few weeks after Firefest and we played in, in Philly. That sold out. That went great. And then we started getting the invitations to M3 and to the Monsters of Rock group right. and some other gigs. So you know, it's nothing full time for us. We still have our jobs and our lives, but a few times a year, we get to go out and do some really cool shit. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I mean, playing cruises is how can you beat that, right? Yeah. Nope. What is, 
what is the writing process nowadays? Is it still sort of the way it was back in, in the day, or how does that work? Uh, I have to say not even close. Because back, back in the day, we were doing this as a job. Even though we did have day jobs, right? we were younger and had more energy, but this is what we were trying to do as a career. So we got together multiple nights a week to rehearse. Reggie and I would get together at least one night a week to write. And then whatever we were writing back then, I mean, now I've got my computer with keyboard, like, you know, all this craziness in a computer. Back then we had these little four track, I think they were Toshiba or Tascam. It was a four track cassette machine. Yeah, I had a Fostex. Yeah, there were two tracks on one side and two tracks on the yeah. other. You'd flip it over, and we would bounce things back and forth. And then I would take the idea home with me, and I'd play it in the car while I was going to work. And I'd write the lyrics and the melodies and sing it into a little recorder. Right. And then come home and record the vocals on the little four-track cassette, and then go back to Reggie's and go, "Here, what do you think?" And then we'd start a new one. Now it's a lot of it's through email or sometimes on like a Zoom call. Um, it's not uh, definitely not the same. And back then we did it all the time. Right. We do it now. Like this album that just came out with Get It Right. A few of the songs are a little bit older. I mean, not real old. I think the oldest one on there is maybe 12 years old, something like that. But a good bit of the record was written I'd say within the last nine months before we started recording it. But it's somebody out there that writes songs or writes like that. It's kind of a muscle you've got to get going. Right. So it was taking us a while to get We had personal stuff that was going on with with us and slowed things up a little bit. But once it got going, you know, Reg and I were like, oh, well, we can still do this. So I imagine writing writing is so different than when there's no pressure, though, right? Oh yeah, there's well the, the pressure with this was just the schedule of it. Because right. there's like no I record said, company jobs. Right. Yeah, they they want the record and the the release of this record had already been delayed. Um I had fallen pretty ill a couple of years ago and I was out of commission for a few months. And um that kind of backed things up because I wasn't I couldn't write, I couldn't do anything. So uh once I got back on track and got my health back, which took a while, we were able to kind of get things rolling again. But it's when it's not something that you do every single day, every single week. Right. It just takes a little bit to get it going. Plus, I'm now 61, Reggie's 60, trying to write lyrics that still sound rock and roll, but aren't embarrassing for a 60-year-old to sing or 61-year-old to sing. Right. You know, I'm not writing things about firing a rocket and... Right. And also, I mean, I guess you have to sort of take in mind, or maybe you don't, but there's a whole different culture now too, right? I don't think you could write some of those songs from the 80s now and get away with it. No, you probably some of the stuff you probably get called on. I don't think I mean I don't think we had anything on the first record that would have been gotten flagged that way, but there was definitely some music from back in the day that could have gotten yeah. you know flagged for being politically incorrect. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I listened to. I just had a Kiss on just recently, alive too, and I'm listening to Christine sixteen and thinking, wow, they can't possibly play that now. That oh, would I know. Be, that would be flagged in a minute. Oh, I know. I, I've done a lot of shows, both acoustic and with the band with Wenger, 
And uh, Kip's funny because he, he has to start off 17 every time just going, okay, if I could just change the words to, you know, she's only 34 and not saying 17 at my age, which is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I've also, I've, that's funny you mentioned that because I've often thought about, I haven't seen them live, you know, since back in the day, but I've always wondered, you can't take that out of the catalog or the live show. No. People want to hear it. But... He just, he just kind, kind of gives a little caveat ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a def- definitely a different world we live in. Are you planning on taking this out on the road at all with the, with you guys in, you know, regular jobs and doing that thing? Or is this sort of a weekend yeah. warrior thing, maybe? Or? This will definitely be more of the, the weekend warrior thing. Because it would just, it would be too hard for all of us to coordinate anything. I mean, the Monsters of Rock Cruise is probably the longest thing that we, you know, that we take off for a week for that. But other than that, it would be just too difficult logistically to get all of this together. So, you know, we'll do the uh, the Weekend Warrior, the one-off things here and there. Um, like I said, we, it was just announced we will be on the Monsters of Rock Cruise next year. Um, in 2024, we've got a show in Frenchtown, New Jersey, coming up the end of August. Um, we're going to be in Germany, actually, in the beginning of September. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then we're doing... Um, the New England Festival in uh, early October, October 7th, something like that. Us and Firehouse and um, might have been Fixin. I forget. But a, a really good lineup for that. And right. We've got a, a bunch of other stuff we're working on, including a local date across the bridge in Philly sometime in the fall. What does a Heaven's Edge crowd look like these days? Because I imagine it's multi-generational, right? Like people like myself bringing their kids, maybe even grandkids at this point. Yeah, um, it actually is, is very multi-generational, and it's funny if you've uh, if you've seen the video that we had put out for the song "What Could Have Been." We filmed that live at the uh, the Brooklyn Bowl in Philadelphia uh, earlier this year, and it's funny because you see you know, the people that are out there that are our age, people that are a generation younger than us. And then you also see there's two uh, two young boys that right by like I don't know 10, 12 years old something like that. I don't want to insult them make it seem like they're too young, but these two young kids just rocking out right up front of the barricade. Yeah, that's great. I know I go to shows now and I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. It just gets passed down, you know, generation to generation, and you take your kids and and from oh, yeah, there. I mean, it's, and there's also a lot of. Um, whatever you call them, the Gen Xers or whatever that, that come out or Gen Z, I, I don't even, right. <laughs> whatever the, the younger people. Right. Out. I, along with even I, our, our new bass player, he's a, he's a perfect example of it. Our new bass player, uh, we brought him in after Gigi had passed. Right. And, um, Darren was just this great guy, super talented. We figured, you know, give us a little bit of young energy, but, He's, uh, I think Jaron is 33 or 34 years old now. I met him 10 years ago or more, and he knew who the hell I was. He's like, right. oh, no, I'm a big fan. I, I'm like, you're you're old enough to be my kid. Right. <laughs> his parents had him listening to that kind of music. And, you know, now Jaron, because he was raised listening to that kind of music and being into it, is now in Heaven's Edge, and he's also in Lynch Mob. Nice. You mentioned it and it was sort of on my list, but was it difficult to try and, or was it difficult to carry on after Gigi's passing? Uh, yes. Oh, yes and no. Let me put it this way. 
it was very difficult after all these years of sharing the stage with George and sharing everything that we went through over all these years, the good and the bad. And right, the, you were in the, the trenches. Bad. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a brotherhood that happens when you go through all that. And so we knew when George passed that we still had Monsters of Rock Cruise that was scheduled to come up. Right. And so we had a decision to make. Do we want to just, you know, end this or do we want to carry on George's legacy and our legacy and go out there and try and keep this music going? And the more we thought about it and talked about it, we thought that's exactly what George would want us to do. He would not want this to stop. And wherever up there he is looking down on us, I, I, I hope and I believe that he is smiling. Um, his the thoughts of George go into everything we're doing, the the, the going out and performing live, uh, or when we were in recording the album. Okay, he'll always be a part of the band. Yeah, oh, sure. Was it difficult to find the replacement, or did that come fairly easy? Um, because I I had already known Jaron. Once we decided to go in a little bit of a younger direction, it made it easy. Um, yeah. He came in. I, I literally, he, he's also in a band, Tantric, or was Oh, yeah. One yeah. second. I'll just let him come in. My dog is bugging to come in. Oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm shocked mine's not barking at the moment, so. Come on in, Benny. <laughs> All right. You have a seat there, buddy. Hmm. Now you're gonna bug to go back out. What kind of dog? He is a a Cimarron. Okay, a big dog. Yeah, I've I've got a Great Dane in the other room. Oh, okay, another big dog. Mine's not that big. He's he's probably about ninety pounds. Oh, okay. But he's an old he's an old guy. He's a senior. Oh yeah, yeah. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like, or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we were saying it was not too difficult to find a replacement then. No, because I'm I'm a bass player myself. That's what I I started playing bass. That's how I got into music, and that's what I did until I still play bass in other bands, but until when Heaven's Edge started, we decided I shouldn't be playing bass. Right. Um, I know a bunch of other bass players from the area and yeah, a few things to consider. First off, I'm friends with a lot of these guys. And if I ask one guy, the other guy's going to go, why not? Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. yeah. And then on top of that with Jaron, he's, he's a young guy, but he's got an old soul. He's got, he's got the same kind of work ethic that we had back in the day. Right. And in fact, I, like I said, he was he was in Tantric. I uh, still plays with him here and there to, to fill in. 
But I sent uh, the guys in the band, I sent like about a 30 second clip of him on stage live with Tantric. And they were like, looks great. When can we rehearse? I contacted Jaron. He was just like, when I first asked him about it, he was like, (laughs) I'm I'm being punked, right? And uh, so he was into it. And uh, he came down and rehearsed. And after the first rehearsal, uh, I just remember Dave looking over and looking at me and just going, hit a home run with this one. Because he just he just fit very easy. Nice. So when you guys were writing for this record, were you able to? You're close to each other. Were you able to get in like the same room and and write the songs? Or... With some of them, with some of them, uh, like I said, because of technology, we were also able to a Zoom call. Or you know, if I've got a a, a guitar riff or something like that, I record it on the iPhone. Right. And texted over to Reggie and um, see if that sparks an idea with him or he'll do the same thing with me. So a lot of it, we are taking advantage of the technology, though. A few of the songs we did get together. And I I wish we could get together more. But, you know, we, right. we work a lot. Reggie, we both work different hours. I'm very early in the morning. He works into the night. Right. So we fit it in when we can. I wish we could get together more because when we do get every time we do get together, it clicks right away and we come up with something. Right. And the music business has changed so much lately. It's, it's nice to see you guys, you know, releasing a full record and doing that whole thing. Like we're used to growing up as opposed to the kids these days with the 32nd attention. Yeah. yeah, The TikTok videos and the, or the one song at a time. One song at a time is what I was referring to. Yeah. And then listening to maybe 30 seconds of that one song because they got to move on. Right. And, it's it's strange for us because I, I mean, just to put it into perspective, the last album that we put out, that we really put out, I mean, that we recorded from mm-hmm. scratch and did the whole thing all one shot. Uh, cell phones had just been like started becoming something that the public had, and they were right, like, but it was probably still the flip phone kind of thing, right? Oh, they back then they were the bag phones. Oh bag yeah. Phone. <laughs> So, yeah, the phone was like this big, you're holding right. this big. <laughs> and uh, the internet didn't exist. So, no YouTube, no Spotify, no Apple Music. Right. <laughs> and you, but you had to learn about your, it's, it's a two-edged sword, right? Because you had to learn about your bands and your favorite music from Kerrang! Magazine or, or yeah. something like that. As opposed to, you know, you could just look up online now and you can find out about everything. So it's, I guess it's a two-edged sword. I, I, I mean, I think that the, that, uh, the young, the youth nowadays is missing out on something that we all got to enjoy. Oh, yes. Buying the record, looking at it, reading the credits, reading the lyrics, looking at the pictures. Yes. Doing all that stuff. Plus also buying Kerrang! and Circus and Cream and Hit Crater. I love Kerrang! through all them and just, you know, taking out the good pictures, hanging them on the bedroom wall. Yes. And, oh, yeah. Kerrang! was my thing. I, I lived in Long Island, and we used to go to this place. You may even heard of it. Slip Disc Records. Yes. It was in Valley Stream. I mean, I could literally walk there. We used to walk there on Tuesdays to get our, you know, our favorite releases or whatever, save your paper out money and go over there. And then it was a whole process, like you said. Go home, listen to the whole thing, the way it was sequenced, read yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. It was a process. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. And it's interesting how things have changed and, you know, the way people consume. But you have to wear a bunch of hats these days, right? Because if you want to oh, stay yeah. relevant, you have to be part of that. Oh, yeah. It's 
we're fortunate our drummer is in the record business so he does have an understanding of it and then like i said we've got jaron he's younger so he understands right he's probably really hip on it yeah yeah so what do you guys have next then i know you said you're doing some weekend stuff more singles is that the uh, game plan uh we've got a couple of songs that are that are probably going to come out later in the year that we're not on the record oh nice um we're trying to keep up with what the business is now and yeah you know try in between the records you have to throw some little you know things out there to try and keep the interest going right but we've got some stuff that should hopefully come out later this year before the next record reggie and i are in the process of uh getting things going with writing for the next record and there's just a lot leading up to getting this one out so now so there is going to be a follow-up yes but we they actually signed us to a three record deal oh wow yes oh nice there will be two more (laughs) that's beautiful so are you are you one of those bands that is always writing not always uh well reggie and i continued writing over the years but just not at the pace we were when it came time for this record here and that we had to get we needed the songs and we had to get back to writing all you know really seriously writing all the time before then we were just writing for the fun of it i had an idea in my head or reggie had an idea it didn't even matter if it sounded like that just here i got this idea so how many of those songs that were on this record were were conceived that way um i actually well it was conceived that way that it was just we weren't writing for heaven's edge the song Mm -hmm. could have been gotcha was one of them we were asked like I said, probably 12, maybe 13 years ago, um, by someone in Europe, I remember somebody had sent us uh, an email or something or contacted somebody that we knew that contacted us. Right. But they wanted us to submit a new song or a compilation record that was going to come out in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, of bands like us, like lesser known, you know, those bands that kind of almost made it but didn't. Right. Uh, they wanted to feature the singers from those bands. So it okay. would be myself and then other singers. I don't remember who they were. Right. And um, so Reggie and I got together and we wrote what could have been. And we finished writing the song, finished recording it, and went, no, we've got to save this for something else. We'll send them something else. <laughs> this song's too good. We like They hung on to it. And then we actually uh, had that song for a number of years. And when it came time to choose the songs for this record, we knew we really wanted that song on the record, but it was just missing something. And so that, along with a few, uh, three of the other songs on the record, we'd uh, to a guy by the name of Jacob Bunton, mm-hmm. who's a, a really talented songwriter and producer. And uh, we sent the sent it out to him just to see, like, here, do you hear anything? Like, you know, to tweak something or change something. Right. And a few days later, he re-recorded the song completely. And but all, all he, I mean, he re-recorded it so that he could add his parts to it. Right. But he changed one of the lines in a chorus, and he added a bridge, and changed a little bit of the instrumentation. But just took the song. We were like, "This song's really good. It's just missing something." And he knew exactly what it was missing. He said, "That's what's on the record." And I were like, "Holy shit!" That's it. <laughs> right. That's what made the record. Then that's great. Yeah. Yeah, we we were kidding around that we found our Mutt Lang, our silent sixth member. The silent, nice. yeah, the secret weapon. That runs me to the end of my questions. Did I 
miss anything you want to cover? If fans want to find you, Heaven's Edge? Uh, yes, uh, heavensedge.com. We were on Facebook. We were on Instagram. We were on Twitter. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, keep in touch with this. We do answer if you happen to send us a, a, a question on Messenger. We do answer. Maybe not in the same day. Right. But we do we do get back to people. Um and give them the answers that we can, the best we can. I have somebody right now that wants me to send them something, and I'm like, I can't just, I don't have them laying around to just send to you. Right. They seem a little upset, but we're trying our best to keep everybody happy. But just really just want to tell all the fans that are out there uh, that have been with us for all these years, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for remembering us and for supporting us for all this time. And we are absolutely loving your excitement for this record because we're excited about it. We were nervous with it coming out, just going, oh, please, I hope people, you know, listen right. and go, yes, you got it right. And most people think we got it right. The few that don't, but you're not going to make everybody happy. Yeah, there's always going to be naysayers, right? That's just part of the game. I appreciate what you guys do. I'm glad you're still doing it. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much. Good luck with the record. Hopefully, we'll catch you around here sometime. Uh, where, are you, uh, where are you out of now? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia? Yeah. Hopefully. If not, maybe next time we're down at M3. It's not that far. Away. Yeah, no. I know you were talking about uh, Firehouse. Bill's been on the show a couple times. He's actually been over and, and done some things with me over here. So he's not far from uh, me at all. Oh, awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, super guy. Well, all right, man. We're playing with him again in October. Can't wait. Yep. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Hello everybody, I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.